When he left the room, he again met Mrs. French on the landing place. She hesitated a moment, waiting to see whether the door would be shut, but the door could not be shut, as Camilla was standing in the entrance. Mr. Gibson, said Mrs. French, in a voice that was scarcely a whisper, would you mind stepping in and seeing poor Bella for a moment? Why, she is in bed, said Camilla. Yes, she is in bed, but she thinks it would be a comfort to her. She has seen nobody these four days except Mr. Martin, and she thinks it would comfort her to have a word or two with Mr. Gibson. Now Mr. Gibson was not only going to be Bella's brother-in-law, but he was also a clergyman. Camilla in her heart believed that the half-clerical aspect which her mother had given to the request was false and hypocritical. There were special reasons why Bella should not have wished to see Mr. Gibson in her bedroom, at any rate till Mr. Gibson had become her brother-in-law. The expression of such a wish at the present moment was almost indecent. "'You'll be there with them,' said Camilla. Mr. Gibson blushed up to his ears as he heard the suggestion. "'Of course you'll be there with them, Mamma." "'No, my dear, I think not. I fancy she wishes him to read to her, or something of that sort.' Then Mr. Gibson, without speaking a word, but still blushing up to his ears, was taken to Arabella's room and Camilla, flouncing into the drawing-room, banged the door behind her. She had hitherto fought her battle with considerable skill and with great courage, but her very success had made her imprudent. She had become so imperious in the great position which she had reached that she could not control her temper or wait till her power was confirmed. The banging of that door was heard through the whole house, and everyone knew why it was banged. She threw herself onto a sofa, and then, instantly rising again, paced the room with quick step. Could it be possible that there was treachery? Was it on the cards that that weak, poor creature Bella was intriguing once again to defraud her of her husband? There were different things that she now remembered. Arabella, in that moment of bliss in which she had conceived herself to be engaged to Mr. Gibson, had discarded her chignon. Then she had resumed it in all its monstrous proportions. Since that, it had been lessened by degrees, and brought down through various interesting but abnormal shapes, to a size which would hardly have drawn forth any anathema from Miss Stanbury. And now, on this very morning, Arabella had put on a clean nightcap with muslin frills. It is perhaps not unnatural that a sick lady, preparing to receive a clergyman in her bedroom, should put on a clean nightcap. But to suspicious eyes, small causes suffice to create alarm. And if there were any such hideous wickedness in the wind, had Arabella any colleague in her villainy? Could it be that the mother was plotting against her daughter's happiness and respectability? Camilla was well aware that her mamma would at first have preferred to give Arabella to Mr. Gibson, had the choice in the matter been left to her. But now, when the thing had been settled before all the world, would not such treatment on a mother's part be equal to infanticide? And then, as to Mr. Gibson himself, Camilla was not prone to think little of her own charms, but she had been unable not to perceive that her lover had become negligent in his personal attentions to her. An accepted lover, who deserves to have been accepted, should devote every hour at his command to his mistress. But Mr. Gibson had of late been so chary of his presence at Hevetree that Camilla could not but have known that he took no delight in coming thither. She had acknowledged this to herself, but she had consoled herself with the reflection that marriage would make this all right. 
Mr. Gibson was not the man to stray from his wife, and she could trust herself to obtain a sufficient hold upon her husband hereafter, partly by the strength of her tongue, partly by the ascendancy of her spirit, and partly also by the comforts which she would provide for him. She had not doubted but that it would all be well when they should be married. But how if even now there should be no marriage for her? Camilla French had never heard of Creusa and of Jason, but as she paced her mother's drawing-room that morning she was a Medea in spirit. If a plot of that kind should be in the wind, she would do such things that all Devonshire should hear of her wrongs and of her revenge.